0: War does not determine who is right, only who is left. It's Amigos, episode 366.
1: Hi
0: everybody, welcome to Amigos. I'm John. And I'm Aaron. And today, Aaron, we're going to be talking about Lost Patrol. Oh man. You know, Aaron, uh, when it comes to the Vietnam War, uh, there are so many images and so many, so many scenes that that come to mind. Depending on who you talk to, everybody thinks about something else. Uh, when it comes to when when somebody brings up that conflict, is there a certain song or movie or picture that just pops into your head right away?
2: Well, there's. I think of a few things. I, I one of the images always comes to mind is there is. uh, the, the military kicking those helicopters off of the uh, aircraft carrier out in the in the in the uh, ocean there off the coast where they're mm-hmm. getting rid of those. When I think music of that era, you know, listen, it's a generic answer, but like uh, "Paint It Black" is one that comes to my mind. Uh, 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 you know, because that 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 song seems to have has the right feel for the whole thing. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. know, my uncle was an MP uh, in in Vietnam. My dad was going to go, but unfortunately, dad was unrecruitable with his various ailments. He had he had polio. He'd had an arrow shot in his eye. He had a bunch of weird problems, so he, they wouldn't take him. But my uncle did serve over there, and uh, you know, it, it, the Vietnam is one of those uh, odd um, periods in history where it was very personal, and you're going to mm-hmm. get different responses from when you asked the question of what was it like from 10 different people, they're going to give you 10 different answers often. And uh, it was something I hopefully, I'd like to say we're never going to repeat something like that. I don't know. I don't think we've ever repeated something like that per se, uh, but it just, uh, it's a tough one to cover. It's a, it's a, it's still a sensitive subject. Uh, it's certainly here in the States. There's still plenty of people roaming around that were there. Uh, and sons and daughters of people that were there that still take it seriously.
0: Yeah, yeah, well said. Well, uh, we can't really get too ridiculous with the banter this week because it's sort of a, a somber, this is a very somber game. So what say you, we move right on in to the Amiga News of the week?
2: The less somber news, Booth.
0: Yes, the less somber News. Yeah. All right, Aaron. Our first story this week is a new video that uh is about the Pandori
2: mm-hmm.
0: uh the Amiga, the A500 mini Pandori mod uh this is uh, i i you're sort of the expert when it comes to these things now i'm going to tell you what i think it is and you can tell me why i'm wrong sure um this is a uh sort of an alternative uh firmware you can load onto your device that bypasses the original uh system selector and game selector and gives you access to not only amiga emulation but other other types of system emulation as well is that correct or incorrect
2: yeah i mean you're you're Right, right in the ballpark there, but it's effectively this is like a retro arch build that will work on your uh, A500 Mini. I mean, it's as simple as that. Uh, the uh, the hardware inside the A500 Mini uh, is pretty good, and it's good enough to where you can you can get up into the realm of the Dreamcast, you know, uh, and 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 all points back. You know, you should be good to go. Uh, Pandora is something I, you know. I look around me here at the various items I have that will play all this stuff, okay? And I often get mocked by amongst my peers for having uh, uh, mame and stuff on a microwave or like uh, on a bidet or whatever. I've got. I mean, you can play Mm -hmm. this stuff anywhere that you want. And so I have not taken the step to to install this on my A five hundred. I mean, now listen, it's a simple installation. And once you do it, you've got access to all this stuff. It's that simple uh you know once you put your ROMs and there what and I'm sure if you nosed around, you could find a complete package somewhere if you know what I mean Boat. uh with all that said uh they they have recently upgraded Pandora i mean it's been around for a while, but with the uh with the uh, uh bios so the firmware upgrade uh, that was released by the people that make the f five hundred mini they they effectively made it so people that upgraded their firmware couldn't use Pandora. But that's been taken care of now, and so uh, this will work with the new firmware. Now, with all that said, I've been told by people uh, on the uh, Discord not to update your firmware anyway Mm. because it's a new gimmick coming out that's supposed to be even more insane and awesome than Pandora is. Uh, It's not ready yet, but it's due any day. So I still haven't updated my firmware in my A500 Mini. Uh, but when it comes to the A500 Mini, and we've talked about uh, Amiga Mini, the 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 uh, uh, Amiga uh, you know workbench environment that that I did a little video one a while back, and we've talked about uh, Pandora. I mean, there's a lot of options you can, uh, in roads you can go down if you want to mod the Mini, uh, or if you don't want to bother with it, and you're never going to mod it. I don't think there's any problem with you going ahead and updating your uh, firmware and just using uh, the thing stock. There's nothing wrong with that. But if you're gonna you know, if you've got one of these things and you really want to use it, uh, uh, I would probably hold off. But I mean, in terms of as a package, I think uh, uh, Pandora's uh, very, very excellently done. A bit of kit here, they've done a good job. I've talked to some of the guys that are, that are involved in it, and uh, I, I think I think it's dandy. So if that's your bag, go for it. But again, if if you don't have, if you've got fifty different things to play this stuff on. Uh, you may not bother with it. I just play Amiga stuff on my um, Amiga Mini, but other people may play other stuff.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think that the you're always going to get people that say, well, you know, everything plays everything. You don't need to put this on here. But for some people, they say that the, you know... You have cast your die in the world of the mini console slash computer. Yeah. And the one that, the, the one you're going to get is the A500. It's good to have the option, if this is the only thing sitting underneath your TV in your living room, to be able to play some other stuff if you want to. If you want to open it up for you know console emulation or whatever. It's good to have the option. It's not for everybody, but I'm glad it's there.
2: I will say in closing on this, and I, this came to me like an epiphany, but I'm sure other people have thought about it. Once you hack any of these minis, they're pretty much all the same. I mean, really, mm. they're all. Once you hack them, and you can play everything on them, then you can play everything on them. So there, it is sort of the great equalizer. And I will say, uh, if you if you decide to put Pandora, for example, on your A five hundred mini, I like the controller on the A five hundred mini. I like the onboard keyboard support, uh, which apparently sticks around through all this stuff. So there's there are reasons to do it. It's it's a nice like armchair experience there you go yeah
0: yeah uh aaron our next news story uh is uh is this comes to us from the chat apparently uh 10 minute amiga retrocast doug is uh he's out of the hospital and he's feeling better so i Great. wanted to get that in there before we uh we move on we've been thinking about doug all week we're glad that one of the pillars the Amiga community is uh, fit as a fiddle and is uh, ready to uh, hopefully get back in the editor's chair and, and make some more great Amiga videos. Yeah,
2: come on. Stop ham and egging it, Doug. Get in there.
0: <laughs> now, Aaron, our next story is not totally Amiga related, but it is. there is Amiga content on here. This is just something that came across my radar this week. This is a site called Nano Gems. I know that amongst the Amiga community, there are people that like to sit down and watch some intro screens and some demos now and again. And sometimes it can be a tough, uh, uh, you sort of get choice paralysis. There are so many intros out there. There's so many demos, countless numbers of these things. And you want to see sort of a selection of best of the best and of course that's a very subjective thing but the people over at nano gems have done just that they tout themselves as a curated selection of the best tiny intros from the demo scene so you can get on here and you can select intros from any number of systems including the C64 the Amiga DOS the ZX spectrum and you can run these things right in the browser uh, just in a little video player. Uh, and so it's it's a neat way to kind of sample what's out there in terms of both modern and classic demos slash intro screens. Aaron, have you run across Nano
2: Gems before? Listen, you've done it again, Boat. I've never heard of this, but this is exactly what I'm looking for. You You mentioned it. There's so many things out there and then you pick on one randomly. Sometimes it blows your mind, and sometimes it's not that great. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. The, the thought that there's a curated list over multiple platforms, this is an excellent find. I, I think you did a gr- good job. Another, this is the second time in two weeks you come up with one of these. This would be great. You know, I was just watching uh, 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 Jack Flax live stream on Wednesday, and he started off the show by, I believe he was playing a, a, like a newer DOS uh, uh demo uh video and it was really interesting and i thought to myself you know i haven't seen much stuff from the dos uh you know side of the tracks and so i like the idea of, ha- of having multiple platforms to look at i like the way that they've got these split up here as well uh this looks great but very good find man
0: yeah yeah and you of course you can check out all of these links at bit.ly slash amiga news um so uh next up aaron uh, this Hi. is a video uh, that we've 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 seen these sorts of videos before. You know what can you do with a checkmate? Uh, this comes from, of course, one of the big players in the uh, retro space, Jan Beta, uh, and he is uh, he is finally getting around. To reviewing the 1500 plus Checkmate case and converting a bog standard Amiga 500 into, you know, what the 1500 promises, which is turning, you know, a a wedge Amiga into an upgradable, uh, you know, computer, basically turning it into a a big box Amiga. Um, This is, of course, you know, very well shot uh, the, he goes through all of the different steps. He talks about the external keyboard. I'm still not a fan of that external keyboard. I think for the, the box, the, the 1500 Checkmate box being as pretty as it is, I wish that the the keyboard would match it in terms of aesthetics. But I mean, you can't beat the production quality of this video. If you're looking for one video to watch, if you're trying to decide uh, whether or not you should turn your 500 into this you know, more expandable box via the Checkmate, check this one out.
2: You know, uh, I I do like uh, some of this guy's stuff, and I will say uh, in, in reference. I Also, I think the key the keyboard looks crummy, but uh, of course you know this as well. They were limited on their what they could do with it aesthetically because they had to fit the guts of the A five hundred keyboard in that box. Sure. So it's sure. they're, they're they're kind of a it was a it was an inelegant solution, but it was elegantly done. I mean, they did the best they could given the parameters. Of course the Hey, listen, the Checkmate case, I've always uh, thought it was a, a a very interesting bit of kit. It, it, it's too pricey for me to ever dip my toe in the pool with that, I'll be honest with you. Uh, and uh, But I do like the fact that it's it's got a lot of uses. You know, there's a, there's a lot of neat stuff you can do with it. It does sort of liberate your 500 from the uh, wedge case, if that's what you want. You know, I... Uh, um, I think it's a decent decent thing, but the like I said the price was too just too much for me. What did did, did he give a conclusion on this boat? Did he put it over? What did he think?
0: Well, I think that he basically just said what you said. He said, you know, it's 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 worth it. It's totally worth it if you have it at 500 and you want to make it expandable in a big box, you know, format. This is this is the only game in town, regardless of whatever the whatever what the price is.
2: Yeah. So um yeah. short but of doing yeah. it yourself. But I I will say with uh with the appropriation of 3D printing and uh, a lot of just very clever people, I would not be terribly surprised if there are some people out there who did sort of like what uh, David Z did or, and the fellow that made this case with the Mister there's probably some sort of 3d solution that you could use if you want to go that route as well
0: absolutely absolutely I'm sure that there are 3d printed solutions it all it all comes down to at the end of the day you know you're always making that call on where you fall in the price to you know fit and finish spectrum I fall uh, way down there (laughs) yeah and if, if you if you want something that looks like it was a you know professionally made product the checkmate is the way to go. Yeah, but if you're if you're happy with something, just a couple notches below that, 3D printed stuff, man, it yeah. keeps getting better and better. It
2: sure does. And I will say that uh, the uh, the uh, uh, checkmate is well supported. I, will, I mean, that's one thing that uh, that dude stands by his stuff. So you do get that. If you're, I will say, uh, uh, you know, not everyone's going to do that. So I, I will say that with the, when you spend the money, you do get that. That's for darn sure. If that's if, and that's something that a lot of people need. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Aaron, our next story is about an upcoming Amiga game. This is a game called Super Metal Hero, okay? Uh, This game is uh, being optimized to run on a standard A1200, and it's a combination shooter and platformer, and I've got to say, Aaron, I love the way that this game looks. It's got the art style that just ticks all of my boxes. Uh, if you look at the the first video here on Indie Retro News, uh, you can see the shooting level where the the ship looks big and cartoony. It looks like something out of an eighties anime. You know, um, I love the way that the the, the enemy tanks look. The, the 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 backgrounds are just really nice, big, and colorful. Uh, and then this is only half of the experience because there's also a platforming component to the game, and the platforming component looks very good too. Uh, it is a, a side scroller. To me, what immediately came to mind is if you can imagine sort of what like what you look at like uh, with with Soccer Kid uh, or a Brian I, the it, Lion. That's the
2: first thing I thought. I was Soccer Kid. It's exactly Kid. It's,
0: yeah. Uh, this still, I mean, I got to be honest, it suffers from the same sort of Euro trappings. It's, it's like the, these guys still haven't learned yet that you don't want to put like half of your screen be just like this brick uh, brick edifice, um, but you know, I'm I've, I've, I'm 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 trying to overcome my my biases and my prejudices and be more open minded towards my platformers, especially with the uh, the series, the ranking of Amiga platformer videos. So I'm going to give this one a shot for sure uh i i you know i may end up actually shelling out some dough for this because this really looks above and beyond you know there's lots of games currently in development i go on indie retro news all the time and look this stuff up this is one that really is kind of sits head and shoulders above a lot of the platforming and shooting games that are coming down the pike for the amiga
2: i can see where this would tickle your fancy boat because it's cutesy it's Mm -hmm. uh it's it's like uh it's like the european take on the like something on the nes or something in terms of right. you know which and i know that's your bag it looks good yeah. i will say at the second level the uh scrolling through the town i really like the way that the the little engine they were using there it looks real fine uh mm-hmm. it's it's got the graphics are pleasant it's got that little parallax going on multi-layer i like it it looks good we'll, set the, we'll have to see how it comes along but it looks like they've gotten quite a bit of it done so looks good
0: yeah yeah all right uh, and then we move on, Aaron, to a story that is, just, is sort of a uh, serendipitous follow-up to last week's story where we talked about uh, Sacktown and the Amiga Festival that goes on over there. And the guest speaker at their banquet is Tim Don't Record Me, Jenison.
2: Oh, yes. Well It
0: turns out that Tim doesn't really have a, a, a problem with putting his thoughts to tape because he was just on a uh, an episode of the Retro Hour released today. Released today, Aaron. Uh, of course, Tim Jenison, the mind behind the new tech and the video toaster. He also made uh, what uh, looks like a pretty interesting documentary. I was doing some research on Tim and he. Uh, did a documentary on uh, Vermeer. Are you familiar with Vermeer?
2: I'm not. I'm not, but fill me in, man.
0: Vermeer is one of the Dutch masters. You might recognize them from the cigarette or the cigar box. Remember the old Dutch masters cigar boxes? Yes. My dad used to smoke those. So that's how I, that, so that was my first uh, dealing with Vermeer. But uh, they, you know, the, the, he was one of the painters in the Renaissance era that really painted these photorealistic realistic scenes where the light and the way that the light falls in the shadows, People can't believe that somebody could paint that well without Assistance, Mm. Uh, And so uh, Tim Jensen actually goes into his particular theory that says that he uses uh, sort of, you know, this like glass and mirrors and projectors and things where he was essentially, you know, doing a very Vermeer was doing a very high form of tracing (laughs) to get the exact way that the perspective and the light falls on on various objects and things and that kind of thing. I love that stuff because I love art history. And um, and so uh, I will check that out. And I wouldn't have known about that if I hadn't been looking up. Tim Jensen. So, but if you want to, I'm sure he doesn't talk at all about that on the retro hour. I'm sure he talks about the video toaster. You can uh check out his interview on the retro hour. Always a good time.
2: Yeah, retro hours they, listen, how they get these. I mean, they've been going for a while now. They're on episode 342. And they they started right around the same time we did, uh I Believe mm-hmm. Boat. And they've had pretty much guests almost every week. Uh which yeah. is I mean, I that's a heck of a challenge is to get those guests. Mm-hmm. and then come up with the ability you know, get in there and, and tangle with them i mean i don't have the nerves for it i give the boys credit of course you get a couple you got three real good guys in there a couple of the guys we've known for a long time so yeah it's a quality show if you checked out the retro art? i'm sure almost everyone in here has but if you haven't give them a shot because they're great
0: yeah yeah absolutely so um our final story, Aaron. You're like you, uh, you told me to put this in. I haven't looked at it yet, so I'm going to let you lead the dance. What's the deal? Well, with the uh, Commodore Amiga Global
2: Alliance. First of all, I, this popped up in the Discord. I wish I knew who posted this. I should go back and look. But this, this, this uh, popped up in the Discord, and when I saw the title of it, I was like, I got to. What is this? Then I saw Mr. Pleasance was on there. I'm like, mm-hmm. bam, that's all I need. I'm in. <laughs> and so I watched now the audio on this is the audio and video on this are kind of shakaroo because this was just shot mm. uh shot at this meeting. The uh, NWAG, what is that, the Northwestern uh Amiga Group or something like that?
0: Northwestern boat. Amiga Group, yeah. I would say.
2: Uh, and so uh so he's clearly he's pitching this, and he says this is the first time he's ever brought it up. Uh uh, uh this uh this thing here. By the way, Mister uh, Mr. it looks like he's in really good shape there. uh, uh but anyway. Uh he uh the gimmick is so the pitch is you've got all the Amiga's got this powerful uh uh group of fans, a huge fan base, boat. Right. And scattered all over the globe. Okay. And he mentions that he thinks the Amiga fan base is bigger than any football club. You know, and in in, in, he says it's a powerful group because but the problem
0: that is that is that is undeniably false. Well, no,
2: I mean, d- it depends on depends I, on the league you think you're the, talking Amiga, about. Do you
0: think the Amiga fan base is bigger than the fan base of Manchester United? Yeah. Oh gosh, yes,
2: absolutely. So anyway, just listen. Would you just ignore that because that just ignore a lot. Anyway, so he he, but I mean, they it's a it's a big fan base. All right, I see okay, where he was. It's going. a big fan base. So, anyways. He says to he says, listen. What we need to do here is is we need to unify the fan base, okay? Right. Into sort of like, I don't want to call it a governing body, but sort of a mm. uh, uh, sort of a loose republic of various groups, okay? okay. So Which okay. is you know sort of like, And so and so, what you would do here, you would have your Commodore Amiga Global Alliance and. Part of this would be a big web page. He named off some of the people that would be working on this page, and what the page would do, it would have a, it would be sort of this all-encompassing news page. It would have whenever groups are having meetings or shows are going on, or it would all it links, tons of links, right? Uh, links mm-hmm. out the yin yang, mm-hmm. and it would all, and he he mentioned some of the guys working on it. These are like. These are real people. I mean, they're like, well, it looks like deals. it looks like
0: they've got they've got six webmasters. That's I've not right. heard the term webmaster used with a straight face in many a year. That's right. That's right. Here We are. That's how they do uh, it. You, you've got. You've got some guys with YouTube channels. Yeah. You've got a guy with a, a bachelor of science in yeah. computing. Yeah. So that's good. You want to have people like that on board. Ah, uh, the the founder of Amiga Passion magazine in Which, Italy. Yeah, is, is you got to have Amiga. That's Passion. a good one. Well, yeah. There's one guy. He's just billed as a marketer and a futurist.
2: That's a, Yeah, mm. yeah. He mentions him. Mm. He mentions. Where you where are you yeah. seeing this information at? Because I didn't. even
0: see i I'm, I'm, I'm watching the. Oh, video you're watching the video. video. Okay, great.
2: This. So anyway, so here's the upshot of that. So uh, forming a, a global unifying force. All right, it's like the yes. Justice League, and then. What you do is you 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 will have a yearly dues, and the money for the mm-hmm. dues will go to support the structure of this thing. Now the uh, uh, the first year. Uh, I think I believe the yearly dues starting off. I believe he said they were thirty pounds.
0: they they're thirty pounds. Pa- you can so, become a supporter.
2: Yeah. at any level. And so, you know? and so, well, uh, thirty pounds right now. It's about that's about the same as thirty U.S. dollars. That are right about now, we're about right. even these days. So right. we're actually we we'd come in at a break this time around if we want to get in. And if you sign up. Uh, for it you get a bundle of goodies now i didn't get to see right. all the bundle of but i know one of the well, things I'll tell is will a digital copy of his first book is one of them
0: what else is in you there can, you can get it for the 30 pound founders bundle that's right okay you get a, a copy of his ebook yep. commodore the inside story or the audio or version you can get the audio yep. book you can also get the uh, the documentary that just came out, Amiga Alive and Kicking. I will tell you right now, that documentary is worth the price of admission.
2: Have you seen? Because that? I am
0: in that documentary. Oh
2: man, they're making us pay for that.
0: That's right. Have you That's seen? Right. You haven't
2: seen it yet, though, have you? Of
0: course I have. Oh, I you backed have. it
2: on Kickstarter. How did you? Uh, how did you come off in that? I look amazing. Really? But what did I you say? Awesome. You didn't bury me, did you? At any point?
0: No, no, okay. no. I think I was drunk because I said something good about it. Oh, good.
2: It. That'll be good.
0: Um, so, uh, and then you also get, check this out. You get uh, a music, this is, this, is a, this is called Everybody's Girlfriend. Yeah. Okay. And it's a celebration in music of 10 years of Amiga. Okay? Oh,
2: yeah. Yeah. I've heard about this. Yeah.
0: It says real music, live performers, something for everyone, mix of genres and music styles. It sounds like a Tel record.
2: Well, yes.
0: um, this is in the music design, of course, was done by one David Pleasance. So it looks yeah. like if you become a founding member, David Pleasance will give you some of his things.
2: Well, but you've told me that he's a quite the talent. I believe he plays a Spanish guitar. He plays. He plays
0: a mean Spanish guitar. Yeah. A mean you know, Spanish guitar.
2: You see, I, I know a lot of people are looking on this, and I, I've I've seen some of the. Re- Replies and I'm mocking. Now, first of all, I like I like Mister Pleasance quite a bit. I think of course you do, and I, because he's my kind of guy. I mean, in all honesty, and I like I'm a, a one of these guys. I like to form alliances and stuff. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I like Marvel team up. You know, I like the West Avengers, Coast Adventures. That's right, and I like the idea. I, I really, it's not, it's not the worst idea. Uh, uh, to have a if if you could come up with this sort of. Uh, all-encompassing place that everyone threw in on to to like give all this news and stuff. That'd be great. I mean, it really would. Uh, but at the end of the day, I don't know how much of a chance this is going to have, uh, given the uh, you know a fracturing of the of the community and the, and it, I'm not sure how people people are going to be willing to pitch in for dues on something like this. I don't know how it would work out. Uh, to be honest with you, but. Uh, that's an interesting idea. I'm not gonna poo-poo it. I'm not. I'm just gonna. I'm gonna give them a bit for the doubt and and see what happens. Uh, but uh, I I found it interesting that that came up. And the, and the, they've even got a logo. I don't know if you saw the logo with the interlock, like shaking hands. Yeah. They've got a
0: logo with the shaking hands. Yeah. Which sort is, of like a, a wish you were here type
2: thing. Which is cool. So, um, so I you've know. got,
0: and, and we haven't even gone into $30 is, or 30 pounds is just the beginning. You can give more money yeah. to David Pleasance and he will write things on a PowerPoint slide about what you do. So it says, if you give $50 you will become what's known as an individual provider of any service to the community. Damn. Hmm.
2: Well, that's, you could, there's a, there's, a, get on it. But I mean, there hey, could be a benefit there. You know, there could you be. Wanna,
0: you, you wanna sign on to be a company as a company, company subscription, only a hundred pounds a year. If you wanna be a wholesale distributor of whatever it is they're selling, it's gonna cost you 150 pounds per year. See,
2: you're sort of burying this. But the thing listen, is man, if
0: you're a const- You weren't there. You weren't in Ireland That's true. when the Friend OS talk was going on. Yeah, but, but you have everything that
2: through that. Everything before you, that. when you because we've interviewed Mr. Pleasants, you've met him personally. You always told me he was a, he seemed like a real sweet guy, you know. And I'm not going to I'm not going to bury the guy. I'm not going to bury his his creation. Uh if if he's got a plan and if listen, I mean there are merits to something like that if you could pull it off. The pulling of it off will be difficult. But I'll I really admire I will watch you. it. Uh
0: I I admire your inability to say anything negative about this scam. I, it's,
2: well, we don't know that. That see, that's yeah. I'm not gonna throw in on that. We don't know what's gonna happen with this. I listen, I I'm I'm willing to listen, man. I am willing to listen. Anyway, I thought it was interesting. Uh, and I knew this guy was gonna get killed over this, so I at least wanted to mention it and try to be as neutral as possible uh on and see where we're gonna go from here. Uh, but that's the uh, Commodore Amiga Global Alliance. Cool. I like the well, idea of a global alliance, boat. That'd be awesome, too. You know,
0: we have a global alliance. We, we have called, a... It's called the Amigos Everything Amiga Podcast. That's true. And guess what? You don't even need to pay $30 a year <laughs> to be part of it.
2: <laughs> well, you're not wrong. what we
0: do need, what we do need, <laughs> is someone to slip us a little cash providing a great service to the community mm-hmm. and that one person is frank oh, from retro rewind you got that right you
2: got that right uh in fact frank's in the house tonight we're good to see happy to see you frank uh gosh what can we say about retro rewind that hasn't been said uh i mean let's boil it down let's go back before frank was around like here we are in the states boat hey i need to get some crap recap boat what do i do with it you know, the answer uh, you is you do it
0: yourself and then you mess it up. Well, that's and true. Then you put we, it in the col- in the closet.
2: So sort we're of buried in here, but no, what you <laughs> no boat. You have to put it in a box <laughs> in that sucker to Europe is what I'm saying. <laughs> you know, if you need parts, you uh, trust me on this one, it's time to wait a thousand years. And and let me tell you something, the mail right now is not what I would call buzz it along, if you know what I mean. And so yeah. all of a sudden, what hones into view coming across the horizon like a beacon of light. It's Frank at RetroRewind.ca. And what's in that beacon? What's in the beacon is quality service on all your Commodore machines. I'm not just talking to C64. I'm talking to C128. I'm talking stuff like the CDTV. I'm talking about weird stuff, the CD32, Amiga 2000. Frank can help you on all that stuff. How? Well, for one thing, he can sell you parts, upgrades, replacements. He can sell you solutions for your hard disk storage, for card storage. He can sell you uh, replacement ROMs. You want to upgrade your ROMs? He can take care of you on that. If you want to do it yourself, he'll sell you the caps for it. He did not have a problem with it. But he'll also do the service for you. You need to get your stuff recapped. He'll take care of your business. And, as if that was enough, he can also take care of some of the action on your Coco. You got a Coco? You want to get a Coco SDC? He's your man. Trust me, these things aren't easy to get. But when Frank came around, suddenly... Here we are. Stuff's not as hard to get anymore, especially if you're in North America, Boat. And how can they save a few bucks on this stuff, Boatster? Listen, you fill
0: up your cart with goodies, and then when you go to check out, put in the promo code Amigos10. You'll save an extra 10% off the already almost criminally low prices at Retro Rewind. We yeah. thank Retro Rewind for being a sponsor of Amigos, and we hope you check them out.
2: Absolutely, Boatster. Now, Aaron. Let's talk about
0: Lost Patrol.
2: We're going to get into it. Everybody, get your knee waders on. We're going to the swamp. (music) Now, Boaster, before we get into this thing, as I often do, has this one ever came across your path before on your day-to-day use of the Amiga? Never. Never. I'd heard of this one but I'd never played it, uh, and I had been scared to try it because all the videos I ever saw of it were a weird, creepy map that I knew would be confusing and, and hard to understand. Uh, mm-hmm. But this week, as always, the uh, Game selecting uh, game Selection Committee, they put you out on... They, you have to walk the plank on some of these, and thankfully, this is one of those planks where you dive in and actually the water's warm and comfortable. It's not a, a, a tepid with a bunch of sharks in it. So, the Lost Patrol, uh, released in 1990, uh, and it came on two discs, published by Ocean, of course, and developed by the awesomely named Shadow Development. That's a great Mm. name. Uh, You know they're awesome. This is all they ever did, as far as I can tell. (laughs) So, (laughs) they were a shadow of a developer. Um, uh, There were quite a few people that worked on this, just to knock off a few. Uh, Some of the coders... You've got uh, a guy named Chris Wilson, who also worked on a game that I'm actually going to go revisit soon called Centurion Defender of Rome. I'd heard of that one. There's a guy that coded on this that's simply called Craftwork, Unrelated Mm. to the band, no doubt. Uh, There's a fellow named Nick Byron who worked on a game called Wacky Races. Uh, There's a guy called Simon Cook that coded it. And then the graphics were done by a fellow named Ian Harling. And Ian Harling is actually a guy who's actually done something we've heard of and played, but he... Uh, was involved in the graphics on One Step Beyond, the Aqui. Equa- oh, okay. Curly yeah, Paul and same. Curly.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. he also
2: uh, worked on Air Mania, No Excuses, Power Play, Play, Thunder Strike, and Warlock. Um, the on this is this very revered tune in this. Worked on by a fellow named Chris uh, Gleister. Uh, so he's the fellow that did music. And again, I don't have any. I don't have any other credits for him. So it's, as far as I know, this is all he did on the Amiga. Uh, This was an ECS-OCS game uh, that started its life on the Amiga and eventually was ported uh, to the ST and in the next year uh, went to the DOS Machines uh, boat. So, this game, uh, as we mentioned at the start of the program, is a game that takes place in uh, Vietnam. During the Vietnam conflict, uh, the the game opens... uh, the, the basically the flavor text. I'm just going to read through this flavor text, book, because It does a good job of telling you exactly what's going on. Uh, June 7th, 1966, a U.S. helicopter returning troops from a period of R and R in Saigon crashes in the remote Central Highlands of Vietnam. Now the seven survivors of that crash face a nightmare trek across 57 miles of harsh terrain that is infested with booby traps and enemy soldiers. The journey to Du Hoc, the nearest U.S. base would test the most able of teams, but with little food or ammunition, their chances of making it home are less than slim. Their mission is now yours. Are you a survivor? I agree with everything they said there. Your chances are next to slim, and the path there is full of booby traps and other horrible things. Uh, but this is the this is the uh, entry that you play into the Lost Patrol. Now, vote. As this game comes up, there's a cool cutscene all that uh, there's a, it's really neat uh, with a big helicopter coming up and stuff. What did you think of this thing? as it honed in the view and what were your first impressions? Well, uh, I wasn't sure what to expect. Mm. Uh,
0: whenever you read about a game being set in Vietnam, you're not, you know, they, they could take that in any number of ways. You know, this could be as something as simple as like a commando type game where you're just sort of fighting through waves of enemies, or you can take it the other way and you know, make some sort of you know in-depth strategic simulation where you're essentially moving pieces on a on a on a map. You know, it's like a board game type of thing. Um, as I started playing this game, I realized that uh, this company, or this this development team, uh, had a deep-abiding respect for the fine folks over at Cinemaware, and tried their best to take the Cinemaware format. And uh and refashion it into a uh Vietnam setting.
2: Yeah. I think you just in fact, uh, look doing some research, these guys actually pitched this game to Cinemaware who hmm. passed. He, they but actually I'm not they, surprised they, yeah, that it, they, it, they, they, they
0: well, I am surprised that they, well I am, and I'm not surprised they passed on it. You know, like like we talked about at the beginning of the show, anytime you do anything related to Vietnam, people are going to get skittish, you know, especially, you know, your marketing types, uh, because nobody wants to be the company that, uh, you, you know, is is seems like they're just out to make a buck off the backs of the people uh, that were involved in the conflict. So, uh, yeah. but on the other hand, uh, you know, this came out in 1990. 1990 was kind of the height of Cinemaware. Um, and uh, I, you know, this game is if if they, if, if they, if the game was in a finished state and they, they pitched it to Cinemaware at the last minute, I am kind of surprised that Cinemaware turned it down because it does fit with their, their sort of MO, to use a military term, uh, you know, almost completely. Good one, Boat.
2: You know, the funny thing about this game, you're right. And I don't know what, I don't know Cinemaware's reasoning for passing, right? Uh, and, and, um, I think this game could have used some Cinemaware flair, which we'll get into when we talk about the gameplay. However, you may have nailed it. Uh, uh, you know, Cinemaware is an American company, and um, this is a touchy subject. And yeah, this was when the reason Ocean ended up picking this up, and I saw this mentioned multiple places, was they were looking for a, uh, a game to follow Platoon, which had done quite well for them. And uh, this game early on was actually effectively going to be Platoon 2. And they and they actually uh, they sort of tried to uh, they sort of tried to push uh, the developers in an arcadey platoon one sort of way in which was not the intention when this game was dreamed up. That's not what they wanted to do, and so eventually Ocean just sort of kind of let them do what they wanted to do. And they sort of dropped the platoon uh, two moniker because you got to think you mentioned that this was the height of this stuff you had your platoons you had games like Navy Seals and stuff and that were that were doing pretty good business uh, you know for for Ocean so you could see why they would do that but yeah in terms of CinemaWare if this wasn't a tu- if the, being a touchy subject wasn't the issue I, I agree with you this would perfectly fit into their catalog uh, at, at, you know once it was once it was monkeyed with a little bit uh it's a two disc cinematic game just like what they do you know it would have it would have fit in there perfectly so uh with all that said let's get into the game proper it's not like there's a lot of setup for this game you just you go into it uh you play uh uh, you basically run an entire all seven guys but their main character that you're in charge of is sergeant charlie weaver Uh, he's the he's the guy that takes charge of the seven survivors one thing you'll learn in this game is, as long as he's alive, you can still keep playing. If he gets killed, the game's over. Um, each of your seven, uh, each of the seven guys have their own health, uh, stamina, and they even have their own like abilities. Some are better at like fighting, some are better at shooting, stuff like that. Uh, and you're gonna and you're gonna go through and just basically try your best to get as many as these guys through uh, as possible. Well, what are you getting them through? So the majority of this game. Takes place on uh, effectively a, a map screen. It's a, it's a map of the general area of Vietnam that you're in. Uh, you're going to see sort of a, a, a the map at the top, and then at the bottom are some simple controls: two arrows, uh, which will let you move the map back and forth. And then the, uh, there's a uh, selector so you can get to your troops, so you can see what you can monitor their morale and monitor their health and whatnot. And there's also a compass, and in between all this stuff is, is some text that'll tell you what direction you're going or what's happening. Uh, and most of the game, you'll play from this uh, particular vantage. At the top of the screen, you're going to see what day you're on and what time of the day it is, which are both important uh, because this has a true day-night cycle. You can't do certain things at night, uh, like travel. <clears throat> um, once you understand the map, I mean, this is the most basic stuff. You're going to also want to know and I didn't know this right away until I figured out you if you right click you get a separate set of uh of things you can do. Uh, everything from uh searching the area to to resting to camping uh to setting yeah. traps, what, you know.
0: What it is if you, if you're trying to picture it in your mind. Picture the lower third of the screen. When you right click in the middle part of the screen, you get a like a Sierra adventure game type drop down uh, bar. It allows you to select other commands that aren't immediately visible from the menu.
2: You know, let's talk about the interface for a minute, Boat, before we move on to the actual gameplay. How did it strike you? I mean, and that that second menu struck me as it seemed like an odd way to do that to me. I mean, it was it was functional, but that seemed weird to me. I mean, why did why did they give certain things menu buttons and certain things you had to access through the pull downs? It was weird.
0: Yeah. Uh, weird and not good oh, yeah. are the words I would use. Um,
2: <laughs> yeah, was... if
0: you're going to, you know, you need to choose one or the other, yeah. you can either have an icon driven menu or you can have a text, uh, pull down menu, both of which are fine, but you need to choose one or the other. You can't arbitrarily have some options be icons and some be drop down. It just doesn't make sense. It's also confusing to the player. Yeah. I really don't like games that lock you out of. Parts of the screen with your mouse cursor. Um I almost have like this, like, uh this, like, physical reaction where I just want to bust free of the lower third of the yeah. screen. Do you understand what I'm saying? I
2: because you couldn't go up to, yeah, I exactly know what you mean. Because you couldn't go up to the map area, you were restricted to the right. bottom.
0: Now, I guess they did that because they didn't want you to think that you could do anything on the map. Which, again, that's a mark of poor game design. Yeah, because why? You know, right. <laughs> why right. couldn't we do you, Could you put an arrow up there? You should, be able to, you, yeah. you should be able to do stuff on the map. What they should have done was they should have done away with the entire lower third of the screen all together, put the compass rows in the corner just to overlay the map, and then put the drop down in all the white space that you have up at the top of yeah, the screen exactly. where it says day and time.
2: Ex- I, that is exactly... Listen, we're in lockstep on this. and We we never talk about these games. It always yeah. amuses me when we have the same thought. Listen, I, I assume they wanted to make sure that the text that you came across was front and center because it's important. You know, but I mean, you, you, even if I would have just put all the commands over the top and you could just leave the text screen at the bottom. But you could just well, you have what that text is... scroll over the map without even having to have what any window at all.
0: What you do is you just have the text screen appear when you need to put some text on the screen. Yeah, have yeah. it overlay the map. It's not as if you're going to miss any hot action going on on the map.
2: Yeah, you know? yeah, exactly. You're right. So we can both agree that I mean, is the is the interface serviceable? Yes. Is it? I mean, it works. I figured it out. Mm-hmm. But it's yeah. not. It, it's not an elegant solution. Uh, uh, you know, and I think this is one area where, uh, you're uh like somebody like a CinemaWare would have gotten in there and said, no, no, no. Something else I should mention is. Some of this game you can play with the mouse. Sometimes you have to have the joystick, and so mm-hmm. you so like not all of it's playable with the mouse. And I, I don't like games where most of it's playable with the mouse, and all of a sudden you got to grab the stick. You know, I, yeah. I never no, like that. you are
0: able, you are able to use the keyboard for all of the parts that are joy. It's joystick slash keyboard.
2: Right, but you could still, uh, you could still. Uh, it it seems like if you're gonna have the if this is gonna be a mostly mouse driven game. I would like to at least be able to play some of the. And the thing, I don't see any reason why you couldn't have any of this stuff played with the mouse, but that's just me. Well,
0: I mean, here's my theory. And I know we're going to get into the mini games in a second. Yeah but um of all the mini games the one on one combat one seems yeah. to be the least fleshed out yeah. and i have a feeling that that was a missive from ocean saying listen you got to have something on here that we can put on the back of the box that shows you kicking the crap out of the viet cong hand to hand style so that's why they put that game in there yeah. and you have to have the you have to play that with the sticker Yeah,
2: keyboard. we're definitely talking to talk about that but let's just before we get to that let's talk about the what you do on this map so basically the map has your helicopter down on the ground, and it starts you off with a marker, and then you're working your way across this map to get to the ultimate uh, uh, end of it, which is the is your American air base,
0: the DoHawk base. The DoHawk
2: base, I believe it's 58 kilometers away, something like that. And so what you do is you move your cursor on the map by pointing by clicking on the compass. It's got mm-hmm. north, south, east, west, northeast, north south. Yeah, blah blah blah. And so, uh uh. You click on the compass, and your guys will move a step. Now, in the middle of the compass, this is another one that's is odd to me. In the middle of the compass is a little square, and it just looks like a little square. But if you click on it, it will let you, uh, it'll tell, it'll have you activate how your troops will move. You can move, like, at double speed, normal speed, or you can be real careful, you know, to hopefully mm-hmm. avoid any booby traps. Right. Um, and so, again, not where I would put that. But it's there, it's, you know, you can use it, it's just weird. So, uh, as you look at the contours of the map, you work your work your uh, way across it. You'll be able to make out certain things in the map. There's little paths and bridges, and uh, you can see where the enemy territory is. Uh, and you try to get your patrol safely across this map. Now, you don't just move the patrol. Uh, you also have to occasionally, there. They, you know, sometimes you've got to stop and let them rest. Sometimes you have to stop and give them some food. You've got to decide on how much rations you're going to give everybody because you've got a limited amount. Uh, and these are the decisions you make as you go. So a lot of this game is um, I, I don't, I, some kind of, a, sort of like a loose strategy game. Uh, you know, I mean, I mean, you're making decisions, but you're—it's hard to tell if the decisions you make are the right ones. Uh, and then intermingled with these decisions, and your men will grumble, and sometimes they'll get real—they'll—they'll they'll be unrest amongst your troops if you don't give them enough rest or enough food or you keep making poor choices and eventually they could even turn on you uh, or just stop marching and so you can lose guys that way. Um now, let's get to the meat of of the matter. Often when you pick a uh, a direction, something will happen in game. And what will happen in game will be uh well at the at the bare minimum you will you will activate a booby trap. And when that happens and I didn't find a way to successfully not hit these booby traps, even if I was moving carefully. So as far as I can tell you just the case they're gonna hit them. Did you have that same experience boat on the booby trap? From what
0: I read from what I read online, uh depending on who you choose to be the scout in your squadron determines the rate of which you come across booby traps. Mm, of see. course you want to protect your leader. You want to protect Weaver as much as you can. So you want to get him out of the front. Yeah. And you want to let one of the other, you know, uh, meat bags get in there. Maybe that, maybe that's why they put a grenade in my pack. Yeah. I kept referring to him as meat bags. Yeah, that's probably why um,
2: But uh So. Yeah, that makes that, sense. That makes sense. But,
0: so. but again, this is not something that's in the manual. You know, the, the, the strategy part of this game is just totally random. And I think that it was that way by design. I think the uh the the developers wanted you to feel like you would feel if you were in this situation. If you crash land in the middle of the jungle, you have no idea if you should march double time or if you should take it cautiously. You don't know how you should ration your food. You don't know anything. You don't, you know, you know what direction the base is in, but that's about it. Yeah. And so it shows you it's 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 an ex, you know we often say you know that it's an exercise in futility but it might be an exercise in futility by design. The problem is, and the question is, does that make for a good game? And the answer is no, because when you play a game, you expect to be able to master it by your wits or by your reflexes, and when you make the outcomes random and bad with no sort of like, it's not as if when you die, you get a rundown saying like, well, maybe try this next time, or, you know, a little hint or something. You get none of that. You don't get any of that in the manual. Uh, and so it just makes you feel like you you really have no control over these sections.
2: I will say, I think you're right. I mean, at least certainly some of what you said, I agree with. And that is, and I assume part of the reason it's like that is for replayability as well. If, if you could figure this out, you would just rush it. And it, there's a lot of ways where this is all, again, much like a, some similar games we've played, where really the replay value on some of these are isn't high, you know. Mm-hmm. And but this one, you know, this game is a, to me is a mixed bag in terms of how it ends up. But I do want to get over what you're going to face aside from stuff like uh, scouts going out. Oh, of- and
0: it, it, it's worth noting that these these uh these events you've got you've got basically two two types of events. You have story-based events that you have no control over, and then you have your classic Cinemaware-style quick-time events. That's so right. So when we're talking about finding booby traps and getting exploded by them, those are story events that you have no control yeah.
2: over. Yeah. Yeah. So the so here amongst the things you're going to run into, all right. And Boat mentioned this one earlier. We'll start with it. The, the hand-to-hand segment. This is a great one. And story story-wise, I was tickled and amused by this because. Effect, what happens is you come across a one lone VC soldier and he challenges one of your uh one of your team to a hand to hand battle no guns all right <laughs> and so they proceed to have this battle uh, and I looked at... The, it's funny you mentioned the manual the manual is surprisingly unhelpful for a lot of the stuff <laughs> I yeah. was expecting a yeah. real expansive ba- manual and it wasn't there wasn't that much to it but it does give you. What your guys' fighting abilities are. He can throw a kick and punch and then block. But I mean, the fighting in this reminds me a lot of the fighting in Rocket Ranger when you fight that Nazi in that. Mm-hmm, it's real, mm-hmm. real basic. You know, this is probably yeah. a slight step up from that, but not much. But just mm-hmm. the the fact that here you are, you you're behind enemy lines. Your guys are tired and sick, and they're and they're lost. And, but you've still got enough time to go out and instead of just shooting this guy you're gonna go out and go mano a motto with him <laughs> in the, the backfield somewhere in the swamp it's so stupid you know i would just shoot this guy or take him prisoner or something use him as a guide anything mm-hmm. but anyway yeah you just basically it's a very the, the, think of the most basic fighting game you ever saw and then that's what that's what the hand-to- hand uh part of this is then you've also got uh, the battle sequence. This one comes up a lot. This is the one I got the most, about. Uh This is when you are basically jumped by a VC assault team that are trying to machine gun you, and you've got to man the big M60 machine gun and try to gun down these people. And this this basically is sort of like uh, a light gun game, almost. or It reminds me of Beachhead, where you basically use the mouse to move the... To move the cursor around the screen to shoot these guys that jump up, but there's a twist, and the twist is, you, you can lower and raise your your position using your right mouse button, and it literally lowers and raises the screen. Screen. It's a pretty good effect, isn't it, Boat, In terms of it is what you it's do. A,
0: yeah, the the way that you have to raise and lower your uh your altitude is what makes the game fun. Because you are of course getting shot by the v c but then they're also flinging grenades, yeah, and if you don't lower yourself down uh, realistically speaking, it's dumb because they can just toss it the grenade dumb. over the wall
2: it is, dumb. but
0: it adds it adds an element of strategy because if you if you're able to duck down before the grenade reaches the arc of its flight, it does not land inside your little nest,
2: yeah that which, it took me a little while to figure that out because it's such a goofy mm-hmm. thing. Yeah, and it's, it's not that
0: the graphics the, the 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 way this is presented is is not very great. well, okay. It's pretty good. Let's talk about let's talk about the graphics in this game because okay, go are sort of they sort of work in two zones, okay? Yeah. interspersed with the map when you watch your little your little x cross the map. As you encounter various scenes, you get beautiful pixel art of the Vietnamese countryside that's animated. You'll see, for example, you'll see some workers working in a rice paddy. Yeah. And you'll see them, you know, with their sticks and their sort of, you know... I I don't know what goes into harvesting rice exactly but they're sort of doing that. Yeah. Uh you go through and you see like whenever you take a rest you see this picture of your soldier just sort of down, his head's at his hands. Yeah. Um you know the, 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 the you've got that art and then also overlaid with that art, you have digitized video. You have digitized video that was uh if you read the docs was actually this sort of like uh in-house digitization software that they use uh to to make these digitized clips and it looks like a, like a, like newsreel clips of you know uh, uh soldiers marching through you know the, the Vietnam and, and so this game gets an A for me in terms of putting you in the environment yeah, putting okay. you in the scene
2: I agree with you there's it's great when you see like a um uh, uh, uh you know, like the the skiff they're going through. Sometimes you'll come to a river or something. Sometimes mm-hmm. it shows your guys going through a swamp and they've got or a water and they've got their guns up in the air. Sometimes mm-hmm. that they're that it shows them eating. And sometimes it shows like when you come across a village, you it's got you know it's got the pictures of the natives and stuff. I love them. I love that. In fact, the, one of the things this game does is set the tone quite nicely. Yeah. it's got very uh, atmospheric music that can now it's. I like the music in this, but I turned it off eventually because it just repeats over and over. Right. But I will right. say, I do like the tune uh, quite mm-hmm. a bit. But they do a good job. And the graphics are, are, amongst some of the best we've seen, they're certainly in the ballpark of your of your Cinemaware titles in terms of, not the overworld map, but, I mean, like the actual mini-games, the, the digitized stuff. I appreciated the little, like you said, the little... Uh, I mean, of course, by today's standards, these are horrible, but the little animated sequences, that would have been quite a big deal back in the day to see something like that, you know, come down the pike. So I think the game, the problem is, I think graphically, the game lets you down on the screen you see the most, which is generic and ugly this is a place where an outfit like cinemaware could have done put some pizzazz and they would have redone this whole area here and and made it better and they would have put a lot more music in this thing too some more atmospheric stuff that some stuff that changed this game needed some more they needed more more uh cuts of music uh and and some uh, just some some pretty some stuff to be made prettier anyway getting back to the uh to the mini games we we were talking about. So of course we mentioned the battle what's the hand to hand. There's a very bizarre one where you're trying to throw grenades at a guy that's uh shooting at some machine gunners that are shooting you in this like hedge row. And so the gimmick here is you have to lob the grenade by holding your button down long enough to where the you know, the little bar comes up, just like your golfing boat. And then you when mm-hmm. you and you have to aim the mouse and it throw it at the right distance and then hope you kill him. I found this to be a frustrating uh, level because I would think I would be dead on this guy, and it would—I the heck when I'm killing these guys.
0: This is this might be the worst of the mini games, not because well, well, for many reasons. One, uh, you don't get any you you put you you push the I think it's the right mouse button to pull the pin, yeah, and then you hold the you hold the right or the left mouse button down to throw the grenade
2: while aiming, um, yeah,
0: while aiming, yeah, um and like you said like when you get the hang of it you're like okay i've got it i'm ready to go and you can hit wherever that shot is coming from dead on with a grenade you see it explode all around it they're like no you missed you yeah. know like the shots keep coming from there i don't understand this i don't understand why this game is so bad
2: i didn't get that part i, didn't, I was i had trouble uh, the other two mini games, I only literally played the each of these in my, and I spent a good deal of time with this game. I only played each of these like maybe one, maybe twice, in all the times I played it. Which the first one is your sniper section. Uh, this is when your outfit gets pinned down, and so you've got to uh, take out, you've got to take out the guy here, with a, and it's a magnified view. What'd you think of this one?
0: This is the best game.
2: Yeah, this was probably this the best. Th- I, I was disappointed that I didn't get to see it more.
0: Well, here's what I did. Whenever I would get, because I played this on the good old FSUAE, yeah. And whenever I would get to a mini game, I'd save state right there. Oh, I
2: didn't think of that. That's that, a good and idea. But... And that
0: allowed me to practice these things. Yeah. Because you don't always see them all the time, like you said. Yeah. And um, the sniper game is great because you you're looking through. You see, uh, you see the the scene like you'd see out of your eyes, and then interposed on that. You see the uh, you see the sniper uh, zoom lens, and it's very effective the way that it zooms in. Yeah, and you're essentially looking through your lens to see the flash of gunfire, and then shooting that point with your sniper rifle to knock these guys out. Uh, that it worked great. It was it's it's the best the best mini game of the bunch in 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 my opinion. Yeah, it's and it,
2: it seems to be that everyone's favorite is that one. And I will say I did I thought that was pretty interesting. Now, graphically it looked really interesting i like mm. uh i like that one and then the last one to talk about here uh before we get to the village interaction, is the minefield i i literally got to this one time and i got instantly killed uh but from from what i read here and Bo, maybe you could since you played these uh, a lot over and over i know you have to go through basically you're basically stuck in a minefield, and you're literally poking into the ground to try to find the mines and and what's well, funny they, they come up you it's... they only stay for a little while and then they kind of disappear
0: it's funny. I played this game a ton this week too. Yeah. I never once got this mini game. Really? Never once.
2: Yeah. I, I, so. I, I, I'm assuming you. Have to, so that's. I got it one time, but I I was because on what like I a what second. I would
0: try to do is I would be like, okay, how do I get this thing to trigger? So I'd actually go up to where the minefields were on the map. Yeah. And that just kills you immediately. Yeah. So you can't do that.
2: Yeah. That's not good. <laughs> so, now, yeah. Another thing you can do that's actually pretty interesting is you can, on the overhead map you could actually uh you could actually go to a village or there's multiple villages actually and interact with the villagers there now i learned early on and then i did some reading to to make sure i was right going and fooling with these villages is a bad idea like it's not worth the effort because you the, what you do is you literally interact with using basically keywords and there is a bunch of those in the manual you can you can actually talk to the villagers you can find uh, sometimes you can get money. I mean, you could literally torture, I mean, you're basically effectively threatening them. You could kill them. Mm-hmm. You can kill the whole village if you want well, to. Yeah, when
0: you when you come across these things, your two options are like harass, intimidate, torture, or kill. <laughs> yeah. There's not just like extend the hand of welcome. That is not one of your options. Yeah. So and the thing is, like, you may run across a village that that you know somebody puts you up for the night. And uh, gives you some food, you recover your strength, but you might run across a village that poisons your food and you die. Yeah, and guess what? You're in enemy territory. Guess how many friends you're going to run across? Not that many. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. You know, I found the villages to be a waste of time, and I found them to also be just another missed opportunity to uh, to show you know, like these are not your only options when you're when you're. I mean, maybe they were. I wasn't there. You know it's the Vietnam the, defense,
2: but. The the village and this reminded me of the pickup game in bar games, where you basically You, <laughs> you know, reference that game way too much. I'm sorry. <laughs> it seems but like every every if, game. If you if you play the pickup game in bar games, you're trying to pick up the date. And so you've mm-hmm. sort of got to figure yeah. out what to say to her in what order. And that's sort of what you do in the village. You know, but I will say this to put this in context, because this does seem like a really harsh uh I mean, there's real, like you said, there's it's easy to be real nasty. Uh but it's funny. I just watched an interview with a Vietnam vet, uh, 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 just a probably a, a less than a week ago, and it was fresh in my mind. Is this mind. that
0: one that pops up for me all the time, where it's like expert storyteller
2: reveals That's it. what he saw? That's exactly. I don't know why this popped up on my screen, but I watched that boat, and I recommend you watch it because it gives you some context to some of this stuff. Because you, because if you think to yourself, why would why would the Americans be so mean to the people that they're effectively they're trying to help? And, and there and there are reasons and amongst the reasons are, uh, and this is really all you need to know is they could not tell who they could trust. They were inter, intermixed with all these uh, different uh, villages and, and people sure. you find on the streets are just are, are people that want to kill you or want yeah. to sell your information or people that have no choice in a matter. And so it became routine. To be cruel to these people, even if I mean, and trust me, they didn't like the Americans either. You know, Mm -hmm. you, you, why did you burn my village and my farm down? Well, I don't know, Uh, because that's the way it shook out. So I will say, as cruel as it seems, and it is cruel, and this shows you how horrible this was. uh, This was commonplace, uh, just like in a lot of movies and stuff. That's not that's not BS. That really happened. They would just go in and try to get information and sometimes they would just some people would just burn villages and kill people just as the as the rule so yeah that right but it, it is it's sort of chilling that was a chilling part of the game uh uh for for me anyway now uh, with all that said boat did you ever make it to do hawk
0: i never made it uh anywhere close to do hawk uh I was not a I was not a stellar leader of my men. <laughs> um I I marched them hard. Yeah. Uh because I didn't want to run out of food and I I I, I came to my demise in very various ways. Uh I of course, well, you know, sometimes I would take damage in a firefight and would die of my wounds. Uh, sometimes I would step on the old booby trap. Yeah. Uh in one memorable occasion, one of the members of my team slipped a grenade into my pack and
2: uh blew me up. Yeah. And you you I, weren't, and so. You do have there is a morale factor with your troops and 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 uh, they can get real angry real quick if you're if you're making them march too quickly, if they're really hurt, if they uh, uh aren't getting enough rest. There is a magic formula. I read about this literally right before we went on air. That there's a magic formula to make to pacify your troops and maximize your food. Which I'm not going to give it here. You can find it if you want it, uh, but it's out there. So that there's a way to do that. Uh, but uh, yeah, your troops can turn on you or just stop marching, just quit entirely uh, doing anything, and that that's also that's also a problem. I uh, I never made it. Uh, I never made it to Duhok either. Uh, I could clear the sort of mountain range there. I did that once. Most of the time, I didn't get that far. Uh I mean those booby traps are nightmares. The funny thing is you can leave your own booby traps uh you mm-hmm. can uh, there's i think there's three different types of booby traps uh you can leave. Did you ever have any success doing this or figure out what well these-
0: again, this is a thing that you can do like you said, and you do it and you receive no well, I never received any feedback as to like whether it was successful, yeah what the point was. Like, it's not like when you drop a shell in Mario, you know, and you're got this little dance when, you know. No, it's not like um, that at
2: all. (laughs) It's No, I don't think that'd be appropriate either. You know. Probably not. One of the things you could do is search the area as well from this pull-down menu. And it's funny. I had more success with that than I did at any village. I would just (laughs) just randomly, I would find all food, ammo, you know. So (laughs) that's why I stopped going to the villages because they were too dangerous and just started Mm -hmm. using that. One of the things that we should mention uh, is that, again, this has a day-night cycle. There's a clock at the top. So once it gets too dark, uh, you ain't going nowhere. I-, I found out that before 6 a.m., it's too dark to move. So you're mm-hmm. basically dug in uh, for the night. Uh, and p- the funny thing is if you give your guys too much rest, they eat too much food, and that hoses you. That's part of the magic formula. Right. Uh, so that's part of it. Um, with all that said, this did when this thing finally released... Uh it was actually pretty well received. Uh it sold well in the UK. It was on uh, the UK's Amiga top ten chart. Uh it, it got pretty decent reviews. We'll go over that in a little bit. Uh people seem to like it uh, pretty well. Like I said, it was it was it received well enough to where it got that DOS release a year later. The bad thing is it did make the uh unfortunately it made the German index uh for no no. Yeah, you know, I can because, see that. Yes. Yeah, and I'm sure the village part was was a good chunk of the reason why it made Not that sure one. how
0: well this sold in Vietnam either.
2: No. I mean, I, you know, it's funny. That's uh, that would be an interesting thing to to find out, I'd be interested to see what, you know what they think of that sort of thing. Um in terms of the reception from the magazines, uh Lemon gave this a 7.87 and the uh average rating for the rest of the bunch was 75%. So that's fairly in line uh with the lemon score. It's funny looking at these scores though. Uh by the way, Amiga Joker did review this. So mm-hmm. and they're German based at sixty two percent. I'm looking at these scores and they're really sort of all over the map. Uh like 05 gave a, gave it an eighty nine percent, but Amiga computing gave it a fifty four, you know. So Amiga Format gave it a seventy nine. The one gave it a seventy three. So they're you know, they were kind of they were weird scores. But I mean I think I mean, what do you think about this? It's that 7 the 75% seem about right for you on this yeah. one? Yeah.
0: I actually yes, this is the rare occasion that I agree with the lemon score. Um I I think that that is this is a solid C title. What are our uh, what got, are our, It's got It's go got ahead. a lot of things going for it. Um you know, everything that we talked about uh but it has too many gameplay flaws to make it anything above around a 75.
2: What did, our, what did our people think of this one, Bo? Did they have a thought on the subject?
0: Yeah. Uh, Mitsuyama writes, I first played The Lost Patrol back in 1990, and even back then I thought it was lacking something. It's essentially a handful of minigames that are strung together to form an overall goal. Very Cinnamore-esque. None of the minigames are bad. The Sniper game is my favorite, though I wish they'd use the Amiga's left and right audio channels to give you some indication of where the enemy shots are coming from, Ooh. mostly followed by the machine gun game. Yeah, That's a great that would idea. A, yes, yeah. Uh, however, the frequency with which they occur meant that I became bored with them after only a couple of playthroughs. Music is good, but mixing in one or two more tunes would have been better than mm-hmm. having the same tune constantly playing. The Graphics are very nice, especially the screens that are often animations, work well and are certainly better than watching the X slowly move across the map one pixel at a time. I think what's lacking is some sort of story that emerges as you progress across the map, perhaps something that enables you to learn more about the members of your squad. This could have easily been accomplished by using the text window on the map screen to display snippets of information or conversations between your squad members. As it stands, however, it's not great, but it's also not terrible. Six out of ten. Those
2: are some great suggestions. Who was that, Mitsuyama? Yeah, those, Mitsuyama. Those are some outstanding suggestions because, you know, if you look into it, like certain members of your of your crew have different skills, so you're going to want some of them to take care of your sniping and some of them to take care of your, uh, your martial arts sections. It would be mm-hmm. neat if there was some interplay there that you could hear – uh, you know, conversationally, that would—that's another thing. It's similar probably would have added if they'd handled this to give it a little more personality, a little more depth, and or artificial depth.
0: Right, right. And artificial depth is just as good as real depth. That's right. Just ask Elite. Um, Lobsterminator writes yet another Amiga game that had the seeds of something great, but the end product didn't quite reach its potential. The concept is unique even today, where you have a war game that doesn't portray war as something cool but instead opting for a more somble survivor experience. Mm. Many games are mediocre. And if I were to change something about this game, I would replace the action sequences with something more tactical or strategic because I've never been a fan of mi- mixing strategy and action. Maybe UFO style tactical combat, or maybe probability risk reward choices. The music is monotone, but I love the song. So I never get tired of it. A unique attempt that fell short, but still a memorable game. Seven out of 10.
2: Very mm. good. That's um, it
0: for the Discord reviews this okay.
2: week. Okay, wow, that's light. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. just for fun, uh, again we mentioned that this got a a, a DOS uh, release, and so we had a we uh, had a look at the DOS version of this. It, it looks just like you would expect yeah that way i would stick the amiga was your as the lead prep platform now they may have i'm looking at the DOS version i did not play this did you give this a whirl in DOS mode no
0: that 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 looks like starts with the b ends with an Ut.
2: well i mean you can see that their their options are different there they've got more stuff at the bottom of the screen than what the amiga versions got so yeah maybe- but it
0: somehow manages to like i don't know i don't know if they i, I mean yeah but it's it's just so hard to get over those yeah. colors. Yeah.
2: Well, and obviously they've downgraded the uh, the you know a lot just like for the ST they had to kind of downgrade some of the art and stuff. Mm-hmm. You no, know, you listen, stick with what brought you to the dance uh, on on the old uh, Lost Patrol. Anyway, to to summarize my feelings on this, I really wish CinemaWare would have given this a shot. I think uh, some of their panache would have went a long way. You know, with this some of their presentation. This game is a um, it's an odd duck. I mean, in a lot of ways, uh, I like the game. I like the mini-games okay. I like the the mood. I think they do a good job setting, making you feel like uh, you're in Vietnam and it's a loss and you're lost. I like that element to it. I like the art. I like the uh, digitized video. Uh, I love all that stuff. But the actual map screen, the playing on the map screen, uh, and some of the events just leave me a little bit cold, boot. If I'm honest, I would like to have had a little more music as well, but I think that's the way I'd sum it up, yeah, yeah, good summation. Thank you very much. That's all we got on that one, Boaster.
0: All right, let's head on over to the YouTube channel. All
2: right, so we've had a pretty good week this week. uh uh Bo we had a couple releases. uh you, I'll let you talk about this one It's funny, we just someone mentioned UFO, and lo, it came to pass on the Zx. we had a quick look. At the uh, predecessor to UFO, the old Laser Squad. But tell me about it.
0: Yeah, so Laser Squad is a Julian Gollop game. He uh, is, uh, is, of course, the mind behind Chaos, the man behind yes. XCOM. Uh, and uh, Laser Squad is uh, sort of the midpoint between those two. Uh, Laser Squad, a tactical uh, turn based strategy uh, war game uh, to be found on the ZX Spectrum. Quite a uh, technical achievement on the Humble Specky. I had fun with this one, uh, despite my initial misgivings.
2: Uh, this was a... Um, we, of course, we've played this on the Amiga, but uh, not, to, not to spoil it, but I think I like the, the Spectrum version a little bit better. For some mm-hmm. reason, it just felt more at home there. Uh, but uh, this was a good time. And then also, Bo, you want to talk about the tribute at the end of this as well. That's yeah, something so, we'll out of your way to see. Uh,
0: you know, on our Discord uh, channel. And by the way, if you want to get access to our Discord server, just head on over to patreon.com slash he had several uh, touching tributes written for uh, Oliver Frey, the uh, the artist most known for his uh, magazine covers of 8-Bit Micro uh, magazines in uh, the UK in the 80s. Uh, he passed away last week, and uh, lots of people were very affected by his art. And so uh, okay. Paul, a.k.a. Hermsky of the Back to 8-Bit with Hermski uh, YouTube channel, put together some artwork, uh, just like an artwork slideshow of, of, of Oliver's art. And uh, we put that up on the screen, and we read some of those tributes. It was very touching.
2: Yeah, I really... First of all, thumbs up to Hermski. Uh I loved lit reading this. Boat, this was great. and You, you did, delivered it quite well, uh, my friend. I really enjoyed this. And a lot of people seem to have enjoyed it as well. So, yeah, check that out. And please check out Hermsky's channel as well. He's been putting out a lot of stuff here recently, some really good stuff, Boat. And this tribute yeah. was excellent. Uh, Absolutely. Next on the docket here... Well, it had to happen eventually. It's myself and the Brent. Uh, we're back again this week. This time around, we looked at Japanese arcade exclusives. These are games that never made it to the states, sorta. And I will—the uh, game I picked—they had released 43 uh, of these boards in the U.S., but I'm still gonna—I'm still holding that it's a Japanese exclusive. Although Brent put my feet to the fire. But I looked at Ninja Baseball Batman, which hilariously was actually the, uh, sort of kicked off by an american and embraced by the japanese and i had
0: no idea about all of the names like the daryl strawberry guy the jose canseco guy yeah yeah
2: you know it's funny the first time i heard of this game i mean i'd played it but never heard about it but we used to get an old magazine called game room magazine and yeah i used to get that too they did a cover story on the guy that made this a real good interview and uh that's what i of course now it's this is one of those games that like people in the know know about, but now everyone that was in the know did a video about it. So pretty much I think everyone knows about it, but it was still an interesting game. And I enjoyed it because that's why I picked it. Brent, I got to give the guy credit. I hate to do it. He found this. It is. Wait a minute. Go, Go back to that scene. It
0: looks like Brent is towering over you. Which is hilarious. He always looks like so that. I guess like you that. can look at that at any point. Yeah. It's hilarious because you are so much taller than Brent. It's not even funny. He must be sitting on like a booster seat.
2: Well, he does sit on a booster seat. That's true. You know, but that that helps him. It helps him feel like a big man. Um, the second thing we found, Brent dug up this old Tato game from 1980, but it's an old one. It's called Steel Worker. This was a Japanese exclusive and lo and behold, this is a great game. <laughs> I was stunned at this one. This is a early predecessor to like a, a almost like a lemming style game, where you actually, uh, you actually uh pick from various types of steel structure to put to make sure your guy gets across the screen. Uh, yeah, it's a very one. ZX looking a- game.
0: You want to you talk about a game that would be right at home on the ZX Spectrum. There's yeah. even Color Clash. It's well, great.
2: I wouldn't be surprised if it ran on the same processor. So here's the thing. Happy was in the room, and I saw – I could hear him talking and uh, chatting. So you never know. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if he might have – this would be a great game to port. Now, if I'm honest, there's nothing really like it. And it would be uh, – it's not what I would call the most complex game, uh, but it is fun. Now, I will say, it's funny because the, in the arcade, you've got two buttons – the button to select your girder and the go backwards button because your guy runs as fast as conceivably possible towards his own death. So you have to hit mm. that reverse button, and you only have a limited amount of those. So it's quite <laughs> a game. I think that they're one, try it. Uh, it's Steelworker, and if you are so inclined, please check out uh, ARG Presents. We had a good time uh, with that one. Uh, Boat, let's switch over to the uh, Amigo Stream team. Uh, we had a good volley of uh, stuff this week we're going to start out with our good buddy 48k Ram and he's always got something interesting cooking and on this stream he did some he did some, uh, some Mac action uh Mac mm. you're a big Mac guy boat you love yeah, the man. Mac he gets into some Mac uh demos here it was Mac demo wow. night yeah the Mac can go dude I'm telling yeah. you one Who thing knew? one thing I like about uh 48k Ram streams is he does some nights where he just does demos and stuff and I'm not a I'm not the biggest demo guy but let me tell you something. I've had my eyes open to a couple machines here, you know, and their abilities were far greater than I would have anticipated. So if you get a chance, check out uh, 48K RAM on the Amiga Street Team. Please also check out his Twitch channel, 48K RAM. He broadcasts every Tuesday night, I think somewhere around 6, 6.30. Uh, so please check him out. Always a good time. Uh, we had two offerings this week from our buddy Happy, Happy Cody we were just talking about. Uh, Happy Coding's home Cooking, he had a part one and part two of history from August 4th. And this is where Happy just sits down and goes through and tries to give you tips and pointers on uh, how to uh, make ZX Spectrum games, uh, graphical tricks, stuff that he does to make them. Uh, He's very good at explaining these things. He's an excellent hand at kind of holding your hand. And also, he could get technical too. We, of course, we were just talking about him with the game on ARG presents. He's already made uh, one of the games we covered on there into a game for the ZX that turned out great. And so you never know, but uh, he certainly has the chops. So if mm. you uh, are so inclined, to give him a, a look. He also uh, he also uh, does a Twitch show from which these are uh, taken. Uh, if you look him up, oh, Happy Coding. Uh, I think it's Happy Coding ZX on uh, Twitch, and check him out. I think he streams at various times. Uh, lastly, boat—it's our good friend the Flaxer, Jack Flack is back, brother. And this time, he plays a game that I had uh, I actually had a cup of coffee with back in the day. It's called Jones in the Fast Lane. It's a DOS—a uh, board game. Boat, you ever play this one? Now I'm familiar with Lazy Jones,
0: probably one of the greatest games of all time. Not the same. It's having to do a no. Okay, okay.
2: This is a, I will say this is a pretty neat game. This is one of those games that came out right at that time where the CD was starting to kick in. It's got mm-hmm. digitized audio and some maybe some clips and maybe some like loose digitized... But it's a, it's a it's sort of a board game you play. It's a. I remember having a cup of coffee with this way back in the day, and I hadn't thought about it for a long time. But Flack, he's got his. He's got his hand on the pulse of things, and so he pulled this one out of obscurity and played. played, had a good run of it here on the show. So please check out Sprite Castle Plays uh, uh, Jones in the Fast Lane, his stream, and also, uh, of course, uh, Rob Flack O'Hara has a weekly stream every Wednesday night at 8 o'clock. Please go to Twitch, and it's Rob O'Hara is his uh, Twitch channel name. I think that's all we've got, uh, Boaster, via the media.
0: All right, all right. Well, Aaron, if we uh, turn back the clock to this time last week, um, we, uh, we had a little thing I like to call the Patreon song challenge. And uh, the last week's song, we went back, back to the 60s from the 1989, the final album of Simon and Garfunkel, Bridge Over Troubled Water, The Boxer. The Boxer. I didn't know that Waylon Jennings did a
2: cover of The Boxer. Were you aware of that? I learned something over the years. It's that country acts have done covers of almost every other actual song. So yeah, That's I'm not true. surprised. True. And Waylon Jennings, a repeat offender. He's covered a bunch of <laughs> wacky stuff. Uh,
0: so Buck Owens let me know that when he was the first to chime in with the correct answer. Mitsuyama also got it correct Barkbit and Edvin Hellad, Congratulations
2: well done, boys. to our
0: Patreon song champions. So... If you would like to uh, submit a correct response or an incorrect response to uh, this week's Patreon Song Challenge, please send me an email at john johnatamigospodcast.com. I will read you as a winner of the, uh, the, the challenge next week. If you're in the chat, don't write it in the chat. Write me an email. Keep it fun for everyone. Get
2: famous, brother.
0: That's right. So, here we go.
2: Daniel!
1: Daniel! Mashba, explore, invade robot, Doctor McBrady, Rob McDavid, Howard Jazz Dog, Jazz Dog on top of face Facebook hands, Chris Edwards, Pissalum, along Albuquerque. We like what we like, Mr. Chip Peter Price, Herman V. Waterley Chisholm, Mark Richardson, David Hun, Ram O.K., Rob O.K., David Terrace, Drew Carlos, Matthew Mobius, the Phantom Magnus Aeth, Yates, Alstrophine, David. Zeke, George Walsenski, they make a show, Nan Crabtree, Superfellow Cake, Crazy Loomass, William Vincent Scott, Episystem Zeke, Frag Lord Mark Balland, Olaf Hope, Alien Breeder Dave Lars Raptor, Cowboy Boy Dan Williams, who cut son, bomb the bass Frodo in hell, Frodo in hell, Solar Sizer, Tech Major Gun, Miss Co- Roller, but i Lucas Jerry Dennington Zog La, Brifle, La Reflection Simon Lesh Cap'n Crispy Killer and Caffeine Gary Heather Free Lunch Kate Fox David Pickford Cameron Armstrong Andy Jones Lobstermanator, ten men of the meager retrocast: Bernard Quinn, RMC, Tim Drew, Joseph Harrison, Kyle Eder, Rob O'Hara, Matthew Laramore, Andy Craig, Sean Zolbach, Bit, Roland Burke, Andrew Monk, Joseph Zambelli, Ifkiland. Alan Kebab, Jack O'Televo, Lord John Marshall, Matthew Perron, creepy dead boy, figure City, the slow Norris Stephan, So God Mortensen, Evan Helen, Christopher Hassel, Burner Now, Chris Foles, Lauren Giroux, Graham Bebb, Key Adam Battersby. O'Brien's retro and vintage. map wow wow Gary Hucker Paul Harrington Duncan Styles Taste from the Crib Josh Nan Adam Bradley Jonas Rulo, THE Eric Nelson Daniel Bingston Darren Coles Jason Warnes pixels of dawn
2: and kill bjorn barman oh man you know you know when you when you want a little loving you put the Barry white on right mm-hmm. right if you want complete abstinence then you put on john bodem <laughs> there will be no there will be no hanky panky with this record playing i assure you horrible
0: all right now of course we can't go without mentioning the fine fine folks that watch us live on Twitch on Fridays at 5. We want to thank our subscribers Real Retro Dude, Retro Jerry, Great Owl G, 8 Hayward Heel, uh, Neg Sol, Brother Bill, Jigglebox, Beachbum7, Explorer, Brock 101, Still Adolescing, Duh Project, Rob O'Hara, Texas Foosballer, Picard 2010, Paco Take, John Marshall 3, TSI Matt, Amiga Live, Harold the F- spinny 108 petzel kz9 zap pints and amiga blue train oil of hope da crabs mtg amy steph christian russell mcron back to 8-bit with Hermsky, steve burts buck owens mr rocket uber scuba diver mitsuyama mashpie thurso bard record rewind.ca and eeyore 4077
2: very good but hey before we move on i want to jump in here real quick because i always forget this uh we didn't announce it at the top of the show, but we'll announce it now. Uh, International Computer Club. It's coming up, boat. It's Saturday, October 1st, the first day of October. It's gonna get we're gonna be getting it on. International Computer Club sign up sheets are up in our Discord. We've already got a bumper crop of hot, hot, whoo, incredibly hot action. Ready to go, but we're gonna have videos, live presentations, dancing, singing, the whole nine I can't yards. Wait,
0: man. Oh, gonna... I've never been so excited.
2: Oh man, it's gonna be double up. Man, you better buy two bottles for that one. If you <laughs> but we got room. Don't think that we're full up, brother. We got room for your project. Are you working on something so zany, so incredible? No one's gonna buy it. You've got to present it. That's what we're here for. Head on oh, yeah. over to the Discord International Computer Club and sign up on our sign up sheet, pinned to the top. If you're not a member of Discord, you're not barred. You're not banned. We're cool. We're down with the clown. Drop me a note at argpresents at Mail.com, and I will hook you up, brother. Uh, we're going to kick this thing off. I think we're going to kick this off at 6, Boat, October okay. 1st at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We'll get all the uh, our good buddies in Europe out of the way early. Let them get in so they can get to bed, and then we'll kick off with the late risers like your David Z's and whatnot. So that's October 1st. Please uh, tune in and participate. Thank you. Yeah.
0: All right, Aaron, what do we got coming up next week?
2: Find out. Oh, <laughs> oh boy. Looks like Parajoid 90 vote.
0: Yeah. So, Houston, you know, they are, I always think about that um, that tower toppler game,
2: <laughs> the nebulous. Houston, we Hewson. have a problem. And yeah. That's- <laughs> so,
0: this is this is one of the most highly regarded releases on the Amiga, bar none. People, really, people go on and on about this game. They go on and on about Paradroid. I know. Uh, we That's what scares the, me. We played the uh, the, the the isometric Paradroid on the ZX Spectrum. I believe that was called Spin Dizzy. Uh, so uh, yeah, this will be a fun one.
2: We didn't do so um, good.
0: No. This no. is a this but, is
2: a well-regarded one, but you're right. So we got to be on our I'm best behavior. Forward-
0: I'm looking forward to diving into it, man. Oh, yeah, man. Thank you all so much for joining us. As always, we will return next Friday for more Amiga Madness. Mm -hmm. Until
2: then, Adios. adios.